Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through the rest of the chapter. It says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when it's compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, verse 11, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Now, I... I don't mean to say that I've, I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. No, 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 no. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed for me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be in church, come to church and worship you. God, now we pray that you would just speak to us in this moment, that all the distractions would be taken away, that all the thoughts would be um, solely focused on what you have us to do, what you have us to think this morning, God. And I don't know what everyone in here needs, and, and maybe not even what one person in the room needs, God, but you know what every single person needs in their life, what they need to hear. So God, I pray that you would speak through me and to everyone. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, so that we may hear and see your work, God. We love you, and we thank you for everything that you've given us. In your name I pray, amen and amen. So you may not know too much about me, but I'll go ahead and tell you that I love to ski. I mean, skiing is absolutely one of my favorite things that I've ever done um, in, in, in my life. Matter of fact, I have, I have, I've had some, some people bring some of my ski clothes up here. I'm just going to show you everything that I have. I mean, I, I do have a lot of ski clothes. First thing that I want to say is, obviously, I'm going to have the coolest Golden State Warriors beanie that there ever has been because the Golden State Warriors are amazing. So we'll just go ahead and throw that out there. But I also have a pretty cool jacket. Now, I got this for free. You know, don't be too jealous, by the way. But this, is, uh, this will keep you warm. You won't get wet when you're out there in the snow. Gotta love the jacket, all right? So we got that. But then, 
at Academy, y'all. I, I mean, I'm not flexing, but I'm just letting y'all know I got these bad boys right here, twenty dollars at Academy, and you and I, you can take them skiing. You'll stay warm. It's uh, it's all great. And not only that, but um, I gained some weight, so I can't button them. But that's another. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's an issue for another day. <laughs> not only that, but I got some cool. I think they're called Oakley glasses, something like that. And when you put these on, I probably won't be able to see, and you'll all look red, but that's, that's okay. Um, got me some cool glasses. Now I really look like a skier now, but not only that, the other day I got a brand new snowboard. I mean, I'm ready to go when it comes to skiing. Pop that little dude right there. What can y'all see? I mean, I'm going to be getting the powder. But not only that, Come January the 3rd, me and Kat decided that where we're going to go, we're going to go to Copper Mountain. For the last like three weeks, I've been studying everything that there is to know about Copper Mountain. I learned that Copper Mountain is about, I don't know, roughly 9,000 feet above sea level at base, about 13,000 feet at the highest peak, that there are about 58 hundred skiable acres at Copper Mountain. There's 27 chairlifts at Copper Mountain. There are about 49 runs that you can do at Copper Mountain. A third of them being black or black diamonds, which I'm not going to be going down. There's going to be a couple of blues and then about 25% of green runs at Copper Mountain. You can take lessons I know there's about an hour and 42 minutes away from the airport. I know what Schroed is on. I know how to get there. GPS, get me there. That's how you get there. I can tell you a lot of stuff about Copper Mountain. Not only that, but I can, I've been looking on how to snowboard because I don't really know how. So here's what I've learned. I've learned some stuff about some toe side turns, some heel side turns. I've learned that when you go through something called moguls, you better have your knees bent for whatever reason. Moguls are on mountains. Better have your knees bent. I've learned that you don't need to go like this, but you need to lean into wherever you go. I can tell you everything you need to know about Copper Mountain. I can tell you a lot about how to ski. I can even tell you how to flip. I watched a YouTube video on that yesterday. So uh, January, the whatever day that I come back, uh, y'all see me in crutches and everything like that. And I'm ready, y'all. I have all the equipment. But although, go ahead, come on with me. <laughs> Everybody has jokes, Mr. Bill. Everybody has jokes. Oh my goodness. I think they have an emergency room on the mountain, so I'll be good. I'll be good. And I can tell you everything about Copper Mountain. I can tell you how to snowboard. I have all the equipment. But even though I know a lot about Copper Mountain, I have never experienced the coldness in my breath. I've never experienced being short of air because of the altitude. I've never experienced getting on the chairlift and trying to not fall off and face plant. I've never experienced what it's like to snowboard on Copper Mountain, even though I know a lot about it. That is what Paul is saying here. 
He's saying that there was a time where I knew a lot about God. I knew a lot about the law. I could take a sheet of paper and fill it out. You gave me a test, I could answer it. If you wanted me to quote Scripture, I could do it. But although I knew a lot about Copper Mountain, I never experienced Christ. And I count everything else besides that experience as worthless when it comes to knowing Christ. This is what Paul is saying. And maybe there are some people in here today who, if you're being honest, you know that you can say everything about Christ. You know so much about what He has done, the gifts that He has given you. But you have never experienced Copper Mountain. And maybe you're even looking at me, you're like, Drake, Drake. You're telling me that you're about to snowboard in those boots? You don't have any snow boots? I can make these work. I can make them work. Well, what I'm simply trying to say is that you have everything you need in Christ. Not everything that you will ever possess. When you came to know Christ, you put as much faith as you had in as much of the God that you knew. At that time, you have everything that you need today. And some of you in the room, you're saying, Drake, I, 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 I've seen pictures of you wearing exactly what you're wearing right now on, mount, on a mountain, on Copper Mountain. I'm like, yeah, you probably have. Me and Kat, we, we did go skiing before. But it wasn't at Copper Mountain. It was on that fake stuff. You know what I'm talking about? That man-made snow where they're like, oh, you fall and you, you know, get road rash when you fall. That's what we skied on. It was awful. And some of you today, you say, Drake, I have experienced God. I have experienced the knowing knowledge of Christ. But what I'm asking today is, okay, that's fair enough. But was it real or was it fake? Was it the fake stuff? And we want to examine that today. We simply want to put our fingers on your pulse and say, are we alive or are we dead? What's some tests that we can do to show, have I ever known Copper Mountain? So the first test that we come to today, and if you want to get your Bibles, you can actually turn here. In Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, we have it on the screen. But here's what Galatians chapter 5 is going to say. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Fair enough. But, the sinful nature wanting to do evil 
is the opposite of what the Spirit wants and desires. So the Spirit gives us, do you see this in your text? Gives us the desires that are opposite of what our sinful nature desires. So what we learn from this is that the Spirit is going to renew what we desire. It's going to make us have a different longing, a different want. It's going to make us look towards different goals. So my question then is to ask, have your desires changed when you became a Christian? Have you seen that at work in your life? What I love about Galatians is that it goes on and it says this. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. There is sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness while parties, and other sins like these. Thanks, Paul. Way to just lump everything in there together. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So then he goes on. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. In other words, these are the desires that he's going to place in your heart. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So again, the question on the table is, have your desires changed? Do you have the Holy Spirit working in you saying, go this way, go after these things, and when you don't, do you feel the conviction? I know I have a, just a, a very silly way of, of, of demonstrating this. Let me go ahead and put my boots back on because if I don't, um, I may um, smell my feet in a little while. So it's not great. But um, anyways, I thought of a, just the silliest illustration that I could ever think of. And I, 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 I I'm kind of embarrassed to use it. But um, I have a glove. Thanks to uh, Mr. David for letting me borrow his glove. Now, if I have that, you can't see that, can you? Okay, uh, here we go. I'll put it right here. If I have this glove, right, and I want this glove to pick up that Bible, how can I get that glove to pick up that Bible? Do I just say, um, you know, I don't know, maybe give it a little motivational speaking. Come on, glove. You can do it. Work a little harder. You got it. Come on, pick up the Bible. You got, come on. It's not picking up the Bible, so I think, okay, well, maybe I know what I'll do. I'll disciple the glove. If I disciple the glove, I, 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 that, that'll do it. Okay, come on, glove. You just use your thumb and, and your pinky, and you kind of pick up, and then you lift up, and, you know, that's how you, that's how you, that's how you do it. So, and that doesn't work, so you kind of think, and, okay, well, what, what do I do next? I, I got some other gloves with me, and so I'm just going to, Get it in fellowship. Get it around a lot of people. Hey, you know, there we go. We got, got different gloves. Y'all all talk together. Y'all rebound off each other. And, and now, all right, now that you have fellowship, well, pick up the glove. Pick up the Bible. And you see, it doesn't work. 
I told you it was a terrible example, but it should be blatantly obvious at, at this point that the only way for this glove to do the work of which it was designed to do is for me to put my hand in it. Tie gloves, Mr. David. And pick up the Bible. It's the same thing that's true for us. It's Christ living inside of us that will enable our desires to change. And you're never going to hear us preach on how to have Christ come inside of you. We're never going to preach that. Why? The reason is because you already know how. Right now, at this very moment, Christ is probably knocking on somebody's door, saying, hey, I want a relationship with you. I want to actually know you, and I want you to actually know me. And it's up to us whether we let Christ in or we reject Him. Here's how Christ says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears me, I will come in and dine with them. So is he calling? Second thing that we have is the second test you can do is to ask yourself this. Are you persisting in sin? Are you persisting in sin? The next slide says something like this. It says that God's people strive to not be persistent in sin. 1 John, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, you want to turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I'm actually going to go to chapter 3 for a second, and then I'll rebound to chapter 5. Um, but 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says this. If you don't have this on the screen, those who have been born into, family, into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell, verse 10, who are really children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteous and does not love other believers does not belong to God. I struggled, honestly, putting this verse in here and even this point in here. I said, no, God, nobody wants to hear this. Nobody wants to hear, hey, if I'm uh, always in living in sin, then, then I'm not saved. So I said, God, I really don't want to put this in here. But I read it again and again and again as I read the New Testament and again and again. And after about the 19th time I read the same thing, I said, I better put it in here because Christ may want y'all to know it. That if we proclaim to live in Him, we are not, what does it say? Continuing to practice, I love that word, sin. Now, does this mean that we will never sin? No. Right in the earlier passage, it says anyone who says that they are without sin, they are a liar and God is not in them. But what the Scripture is teaching is that there is a way that Christians act. And it is not practicing living in sin day after day after day, year after year after year. If you find yourself in sin all the time, and every time you're praying, you say, God, forgive me, and the next day you're going right back to it, year after year after year, take a harsh look, a serious look in the mirror and say, do I really know God? 
I think it was amazing. I had someone text me this last, um, actually this morning, and they were saying that, man, I, I really feel like I've been struggling, kind of running from God. Kind of, it was like at 8 o'clock when I got the message. I was like, okay, that's great. He said, but what was amazing is as I was running from God, he was running after me. And I was sitting in a coffee shop when God told, I don't know, someone who was, I was, I was in a different part of, the, of America, and someone approached me and said that God had laid on his heart to come speak to me. And he sat down on the other side of the coffee shop, and he began to tell me who I was in Christ. A guy that I'd never even met before. He said, it was God running after me. So I knew I'd been running away from God. He said, I turned my life around, and for the past hundred days, Drake, I've been living for Christ in a way that I never have before. What I'm simply trying to say is examine your life and see, am I living in sin all the time? And if you are, take a good look as, as, as to if you know Christ. I know that's scary to say, but listen really carefully. If you have zoned out, zone in really quick. You do not get saved by grace whenever you give your life to Christ and He accepts you and He forgives you and you repent and you place your Lordship in Christ and then He saves you by His grace. And as you walk after Christ in sanctification, the grace doesn't disappear. You don't get saved by grace and then work your way to be more like Christ. No, you get saved by grace and grace encompasses the entire wall through your life. And many people think, oh, well, I got saved by grace, but now I better, like, I better, you know, work myself into this type of salvation. I better work harder. No, your greatest challenge this morning isn't your discipline, it's not your devotion, and it's not your self control. The greatest challenge that you have right now is believing this book, the gospel, that there is a God with a love so high, so expansive, so inclusive for you. That Jesus is enough. It's always been Jesus, by the way. That if His love is sufficient to save you, then His love is sufficient to sustain you through every sin, through every challenge, through every situation. It starts with grace, and it is continued on by grace. So I don't want you to be in here this morning and hear, oh, well, I better you know, stop sinning and get my life together. What Christ is saying is that, hey, look, there is grace on us all. What I really want to know is, hey, do you have, if you are sinning all the time, you're practicing, you're living in that lifestyle, but you're proclaiming to know me, you're not fooling anybody, and you're surely not fooling Christ. So take a good look in the mirror and ask, do I really know God? Thirdly, it's this. Is that other people, other people know and see Christ in you. Other people see Christ in you. Ask yourself, do other people see Christ in you? 
the other day I went to the pep rally, and when I went to the pep rally, somebody called me like Wednesday, I think it was like Mr. Beagle or whatever, like Mike Beagle, coach, doctor, Mr. Headmaster, sir, Mike Beagle. Uh, but anyways, I, he said, Drake, would you speak at the pep rally on Friday? I said, of course, you know, and so I, I, I kind of got a little something together, and I was going to give them a version of what I have said this morning, that, you know, you can know a lot about something, but not actually knowing something. And I was uh, a, a, a little bit nervous because it was homecoming. I thought there was going to be a lot of people. So I, I come into the building dressed. I see a lot of people laughing and smiling because you know exactly what I'm saying. I come dressed just like this in my pants, in my jacket, in my toboggan with my glasses on. And I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm walking to the gym with my, with my snowboard. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> Y'all, people are looking at me like I have absolutely lost my mind. And now, I'm not saying that I was late. I'm just saying I was on time. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm like, hey, look, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you in a second. Hold on, let me go over here. So I walk in, and, and, and I look at the, 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 the people doing the pep rally. I don't know their, their names. So I'm like, hey, they say, Drake, what are you doing? Why do you look like that? It's like, it's a long story, I know. I'll, I'll explain it during the devotion. I'm just here for the devotion. It's like, <sighs> I think there was like a, maybe a little miscommunication between somebody and somebody. I don't know what happened, but they was like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're not going to have the devotion. And um, um, I'm, 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 I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, Drake. And I'm like, it's okay. That's, that's, that's no problem. And I think Allie Ray, did you say the prayer? You did say the prayer, didn't you? Yeah, Allie Ray said the prayer. And so it was amazing. Um, but I remember, I'm like, okay, that's no problem. I walk. And now, yo, I look like the big biggest clown because it is it is been Mississippi it is mid-September and I am sweating down in what looks like I have just left the powder in Colorado so I go I'm not even joking in the very corner and I just sit there I'm like please don't look at me please don't look at me I don't have any more clothes on I'm literally wearing that it's like everybody leaves and Pat Riley finally concludes right and I'm just sitting there waiting. Please, everybody leave so I can get out of here and not have to explain and not be humiliated anymore. Like, oh. So everybody kind of leaves. And so I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm like trying to sneak out. So I get my board. I get everything. I'm like, all right, now's as good a time as ever. So I'm like trying to sneak out. And finally, somebody catches me and says, Dre, why do you look like that? So then I'm like, you caught me. Okay, so then I explained what I just explained to you. I thought I was doing this and I was going to have this presentation, blah, 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 blah. And, and I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not weird. You know, that's what I was trying to tell them. I'm not just, I don't dress like this for fun. And I explained to person after person after person as I'm walking out. Why? Because they saw what I was dressed like and they said, you look different. You look different. And they wanted to ask about why I look so different. And that's the point, is that when we put on Christ, when Christ comes into us, people will notice and we, they will say, why are you so different? What is different about you? So let me ask you, do people know and notice that you believe in Jesus? And if nobody knows that you're a Christian, I would ask, do you no Christ. Now here's the problem with everything that I've said. If Christ is living in us, number one, then we will not walk in the sin, number two. And if we are looking different than everyone else, people will say, Come up to us, hey, why are you looking so different? 
Now, when it pertains to the sin, a lot of times we make a lot of excuses. And here's the excuse. Well, Drake, I just can't help it, man. You don't understand. I can't help it. There's nothing that I can do about it. Okay, if that's, what, if, that, if that's the thought, let me ask you this, okay? That's a terrible thought, but I hear it all the time. If, if that's the thought that you can't help but fall into this sin, let me ask you, right before you was about to sin, right before you was about to do it, whatever it was, lie, say something, whatever, right before you was about to do it, and I came up and I said, guess what? I got an awesome thing. I got a good deal for you. I got a million dollars. And all you have to do for this million dollars is not go there. Not say that. Don't sin. And if you don't do it, I'll give you a million dollars. Would you take the million dollars? You would, right? You'd say, heck yeah, I'm not doing that. Give me the million dollars. I would too. The problem isn't that we can't not do it. The problem is we don't have the right motivation not to sin. So what I'm asking today is take a long look at our lives to say, do I have a pulse? What is my motivation? Do I have new desires? Do I, am I living in sin? Number three, do other people know? Have I experienced Copper Mountain or do I know just a lot of stuff about Copper Mountain. So today, as we conclude in prayer and through worship, here's the, the, the question that you need to ask. God, are you trying to convict me? Do I need to enter into a relationship with you? Do I need to give my life to you? And if that's you, come today, pray. Ask Christ to come into your life. He will. Ask Him to enter you, and He will do it. Number two, maybe you're like, you know what? I have given my life to Christ but, but, but honestly, Drake, honestly, Drake, I'm, I, I do find myself in sin. And maybe you need to come down here and just say, Christ, would you please forgive me? Would you need to, maybe you need to repent from that. And somebody here today is thinking, but what will everybody else think? First off, you need to care more about what Christ thinks of you than everybody else does. And then thirdly, Maybe you're in here and you say, I don't live out my Christian walk and nobody even knows it. Maybe you want to come down and pray as well. Fake or real? I got saved because everybody else did it. I got saved because there's an expectation. I got saved because my mom wanted me to do it. Or I got saved because Christ was truly called me and I gave my life to Him. What is it? Run these three tasks. See if you have a pulse. My biggest fear today, my biggest fear in closing, is that there are some people in the sanctuary right now who really, truly are Christians. Like, you believe in God. You are a Christian. But because of the service today, you're starting to question it. You're like, oh, I don't, what, what if I'm really not a Christian? What if I never gave my life? What? I, now, that was my biggest fear. With, I almost didn't give the sermon because I don't want somebody who is truly saved to ever doubt their salvation. I do not want that. That was my biggest fear. 
My biggest fear in life, however, what keeps me up at night, is that there are some people who truly think that they are Christians. But they don't know Jesus. Thus, today's talk. I know I've given a lot of uh, illustrations, so I hope you'll put up with one more. Um, I bought this the other day. It's an Oculus. Pretty pumped up. It's a pretty fun game, I guess. Um, but you can play golf and mini golf and skating and snowboarding. You can go hunting and all kinds of stuff on this and have these remote controls that you can shoot and all that. It's pretty cool. You just kind of turn it on. When you put this over your head, it kind of takes you into another reality. And whether you're golfing or <laughs> hunting a moose, no matter what it is, you're in a different reality. And after you play it for a couple of hours, you actually like kind of fear taking it off. Like, what, wonder what, 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 what's, what's, what's everything going to look like when I actually take this off? And it's to that point that Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 7, and here's what he says. He says, one day, people will look at me, and they will say, God, we did miracles in your name. We believed in you. We cast out demons in your name. He will look at them, he said, depart from me, for I never knew you. See, these people had this on. They were fooling themselves, walking around, thinking, and my question today is, hey, if that's you, take the mask, take the oculus, take the virtual reality off, and truly come to know Christ today and give your life to Him. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here today. Um, God, thank you for letting us worship. And God, I pray um, that you would continue to call and continue to speak and continue to, um, to, 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 to lead us. And God, right now, there may be someone who you're calling to, 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 you're calling to yourself, but yet, God, that they are hanging on to something like sin and they don't want to let go of it. But God, I pray that you would just convict them that that is a terrible, terrible trade. God, that they would open up their hands and they would say, Lord Jesus, let me come into a relationship with you. Let me take the virtual reality off. Let me see you for who you truly are. I don't want to be like one of those in the end. They say, God, I knew a lot about you, but I never knew Copper Mountain. God, we love you and we thank you for everything you've given us. In your name I pray, amen and amen.